Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And this is episode 216. Me and Jay got a couple movies to review for you this week. I'm going to do a review for the Netflix original film, The Five Bloods, which was directed by Spike Lee. And Jay and I are both going to be doing a review for... The King of Staten Island, directed by Judd Apatow. And then we also got our top five Judd Apatow films. So we're going to get into that. But first, we got to get into what are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. All right, man. What'd you get down to watching this week? Uh, let me just start off with a little movie. Steve Jobs. Now, the Michael Fassbender one, not the Ashton Kutcher one. <laughs> this but see, one, the Ashton Kutcher, like, Ashton Kutcher is actually good, and it was a bad movie, I, but Ashton yeah. Kutcher played the role and, well. And that's what I heard. That's what I've been hearing about that film. I think I saw part of it, and I think I had to stop it for some reason, and I never returned to it for some reason. I don't know why, but this one was yeah. always on my radar just because of the cast, and it's Danny Boyle, and it's Aaron Sorkin screenplay, and I was like, this had a lot of prestige behind it, and I just never got around to seeing it, and until um, it's you know it's been on Netflix for a little while, and it was on my queue, and I finally just had the mood to kind of put put it on, and 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 it was it was an interesting watch. It was a little underwhelming uh, story wise for me, and it definitely obviously still has that rat a tat uh, Aaron Sorkin type of firecracking screenplay that he always usually tends to have for his his films and uh, yeah i mean TV like, shows, like but, social network west yeah, wing newsroom all the exactly. stuff we know him from and love him from so yeah um now this is the one that the family uh of steve jobs dislikes the most isn't it because this is the one where it kind of like paints him it does in a in a pretty negative light yes and it definitely shines quite a bit on that and his relationship with his um uh, original baby mama and first child and that's pretty much what it's highlighted on. It does not show his later part of his life um, when the iPhone came out or anything like that. It was pretty much, um, you know, up until like just about when the iPod was going to come out. Like, like it ended pretty much when he had the idea of an iPod. Put it that way. So it was okay. a while ago. I mean, it, it stretched, you know, from obviously the I think the late seventies or early early eighties, something like that all the way throughout and his ups and downs and his creativity and just his personality. Like he's just a straight up classic, uh, cheap asshole <laughs> who was a very authoritative, authoritative type leader. And, you know, obviously a creative genius in a lot of ways, but really I mean, he's in the same not- way Jesse Eisenberg played Zuckerberg yep. in, in the social network. Uh, it seems like Aaron Sorkin's just really good at writing this type of character. Yeah. 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 And you know, it, it's it's you know it, it's an interesting behind the scenes kind of film you know it, about a couple of product releases and the rifts behind the scenes before those big days you know happen for the for the companies and yeah, I, I I enjoyed it it was a quick watch um, but it's yeah. nothing special 
it was pretty underwhelming to be honest. I remember when the Ashton Kutcher movie came out and then this one came out like not not too long after that. It seemed like a lot of Steve Jobs stuff. I mean and and, and you well, know because he just died in the early he had age. just passed and yeah. stuff like that. Right. He was young. Um but my favorite movie that that has Steve that, that is about Steve Jobs uh, was in 1999 and it was a TNT direct to video release. It was the Pirates of Silicon Valley because mm. it's just got such a badass title, man. And uh, it had ERs Noah Wiley playing Steve Jobs and it had Anthony Michael Hall as Bill Gates. And it was just all about like the the, the founding of Microsoft and Apple and stuff and and how they stole from each other and how they were. Like oh, a competition and how much they hated each other and Steve Wozniak was involved and oh sure all this oh it was uh, like who it, was the real guy behind Apple right who was the real guy behind yeah. Apple it was it was actually a really interesting movie if you were into that if you were into computers because it really wasn't about the personal lives yeah it was more or less about just the the scum and villainy that existed like that these bones that Silicon Valley is built off of is just one of insider trading and and corporate espionage and stuff so it was it was interesting that's that's my favorite one plus i love the name the pirates of silicon <laughs> valley gar you know gar. like <laughs> it just sounds like it just sounds like steve and, jobs is just on his ship on his yeah. reaper and he's just going right after and it was right and it, you bill know gates. it's also kind of interesting to think about that kind of stuff yeah you know, right on the heels of watching that bill gates documentary and you know just you know, the legacy of these tycoons back in the day. I mean, these guys were not, they're not likable people. No, and they're all they're, fucking scumbags. They're all super wealthy, super nerdy, and and ambitiously wild guys. Like, they, they just don't fit into a mold. And they just, they're outsiders for a reason. And, then, you know, money is a different thing for them. I don't think there's anybody with that much money who who isn't a scumbag, who doesn't have sure. a few dead hookers in their closet <laughs> at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, just, that's just what it comes down to. Uh, uh-huh. Man. But I'm glad you found some enjoyment. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this is what are you watching? So because it's on Netflix, are you recommending it for people? Is it for um, everybody, or is it just kind of like? Yeah, a, I think it's. You know, I, I think I think it's worth the watch. I think it's you know for the performances and a little inside behind the scenes uh, scope of you know Apple and and before it, it was really Apple. You know when it was mostly dead broke and a failed company for the most part through the 80s and 90s until. Until obviously the iPod and everything else, you know, the rest of the, you know, the the world changed from then on. If you listen to the family, that what's what's portrayed in this movie is that the corporation aspect of it is is accurate, although dramatized. But the the familial relationships that are portrayed are absolutely not factual yeah. at all well, according to the family so i understand why <laughs> you'll see <laughs> you'll see no i won't i won't watch this movie i don't i really don't fucking care so <laughs> this is i saw i saw both of these trailers and i I'm, I'm not really like a big like apple guy or like into that type of stuff so i was i've never like i was never one of those people who were just like my god steve jobs is a fucking genius and it's like well i mean sure i guess I, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I don't care. I, like I don't find it fascinating at all. Even the social network. I don't find. I don't find Zuckerberg fascinating. I think the thing that I find fascinating was the friendship uh, that was decimated as a result of this, more mm. so than than Zuckerberg. In fact, I loved how that. I movie really, portrayed I really like that asshole. movie. Yeah. Uh, the Social Network is a brilliant film to me. I mean, I love it. 
I really do. All right, so I got down to watching uh, two seasons of a TV show. So last year, the What We Do in the Shadows television series started on FX, and I I, I wanted to wait a whole season to watch it. Of course, it, it did get good reviews, so I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it, and then I never got around to it. And then the second season came around, and now that had ended, and I still didn't get myself around to watching it. But now everything from FX is now all on Hulu for free. Pretty much everything that that was on fx used to have like a very long waiting period after it the show was done before it would start streaming on hulu and then even then like sometimes it would be like three weeks after the episode aired and then it would disappear again for a while so it was very spotty so watching things on fx was not always the best through hulu but now that everything's available it's a whole lot easier so i binge watched two seasons of what we do in the shadows it for those for those who have watched it then you know how how great it is but mm-hmm. for those who haven't but you have seen the movie it does not follow the same three main characters from what we do in the shadows the film however they are all producers on it so <laughs> oh will, good for them they will show up at, at, at one point or another i won't say in what capacity but they and that's but the they great thing they're up. vampires they can you know they're always gonna be around they're still alive <laughs> yeah unless they get killed off this follows three vampires who you know some time ago several hundred years ago came over to america and they landed on staten island and they never left <laughs> They stayed on Staten Island and they didn't even take over Staten Island. They're just, they've just been surviving. So it follows Nandor, Laszlo, and Nadja and Nandor's familiar Guillermo and a fourth vampire who is not a blood-sucking vampire he is actually an emotional vampire an energy vampire named colin robinson and he's actually like my favorite character he's pretty much like if dwight from the office was more dull and more boring because he's an energy vampire he is a he's the type of person that is the most annoying person at work. He stands by your cubicle and he just mindlessly rambles on forever and ever about the most ridiculous things and he blends one topic into the next and he does it all with this flat monotone voice and it's like it me. annoys people like you. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens is it actually drains their energy and he feeds off of their energy. So he feeds uh. off emotional negative energy and it's a really fun aspect of the show that, that it makes it a little bit different from, from the what we do in the shadows movie but yeah it's absolutely ridiculous in the exact same way that the movie was but it's it's clever as well which is the which is one of the things that like i i really like about it it there are little things in each episode that are seated that won't come back up for another couple episodes but when it does it's a payoff and it's nice but each episode is standalone and you can laugh just by watching a single episode and the characters are absolutely ridiculous but there's like a level of heart to them as well as, as well especially uh if you like Guillermo like Guillermo is like one of my favorite characters I absolutely love him but it also has fantastic guest stars throughout Haley Joel Osmond shows up at one at one point Craig Robinson uh, uh you know obviously Taika Waititi shows up at one point Doug Jones from of uh Guillermo del Toro fame uh, you know he's he, he played Abe Sapien and the water creature in the shape of water uh he shows up here as the Baron which is is absolutely hilarious. Nick Kroll shows up as as a vampire as well throughout it. It's 
it's cool. bingeable. It's so good that it's like I watched it all. It's ten episodes per season, half hour per episode. I watched it all in about three days after work. It wasn't over a weekend, but like after work, I'd watch a bunch of episodes. Nice. Yeah, I'll probably get around to it at some point, just because uh, I do love the movie, and I kind of purposely did not watch it and give it a shot, just because I didn't think it was going to live up to it. But hearing your reaction to it, I think I'll yeah. give it a shot. There are people who watch this and say, like, this is better than the movie. Ooh. Now, they they weren't huge fans of the movie, but they're bigger fans of this than the movie. For me, I think the movie is just perfect, and I absolutely love it. And this is a nice companion to it. I'm not saying whether it's better or worse. There's more of it, no, which gotcha. means there's there's more time for some jokes to fail yeah, as well. exactly. So... But it's it's definitely worth your time. I absolutely loved it, and I, there's probably people listening that were like, "Yeah, we've been watching it this whole time. Like, what took you so long?" And it's like, "Well, I'm well, sorry, that's, but that's I'm here." What now. happens? That's what happens. Yeah. It's part of. But I'm, I'm I'm trying to get others to watch it now because I would hate to see this show just get canceled for for lack of interest and stuff like that. Because sure, it is certainly interesting. It's fun, and I I, I busted a gut a few times, so uh, definitely worth it. All right, Jay, what else did you get down to watching this week? Uh, I want to briefly get into. I caught up with Apple's Defending Jacob. Now, you reviewed this an episode or two ago, and I Now, was I right this. or was I right? Was the last half hour of the f- series 100% right. Was it not just awful? Now, with that said, if they have a season two, which I feel like they have to, the way they ended it, because it was so bad. Where I would, it would make more sense if they, you know, had a season two to follow up on it. No, I don't think. I think if they do a season two, like, like no, it, it it's defending. It has to. Like, I, I feel cares? like this no. was so bad. Where it just, you know, everything about this show was working and humming in just a great way. It was very well executed is, and crafted. It is marketed as a mini series, meaning that it is done. Now we've seen plenty of mini series picked up for more. Seasons, that is so but- disappointing because they completely dropped the ball they had a perfect way of ending this series and then they went a half hour longer (laughs) they should have stopped exactly if it ended if it ended a half hour early even even after the 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 surprise like twist you know right right after that that logical question exactly where it's a question mark like you, you, you oh, spent the entire it, it, series it was, guessing, and it, they, if they left you was, on with oh enough evidence God. to go either way, and it just ends. I probably would have been okay with that. I might have been a little pissed because I would have been like, "What a you know, what a fucking cop out." But it would have been better. This is even more than, of a cop than, out. Than, yeah, it, it would have been better than oh, this the was, way they it, finished and it. And it. it just didn't make any sense. That's why I was like, "There has to be a season two because the the way the rest of the show was, they completely I don't want to say ruined it, but like in a lot of ways, they kind of did to me. Um, you know, for the last 25, 30 minutes, that's <laughs> all it took, and it was the writing. So. I don't know. I mean, it was great performances, I thought, overall. And, and you know, I thought... Uh, I, I, I I strangely still recommend it, to put it, put it that way. Because I do think it's good TV. I do... It has a lot of Fincher vibes to it, but it does run a little slow. And it's kind of drawn out. But, you know, it's a long eight hours. It's a long eight hours. Well, not eight it hours, is. but... It is. It, it is episodes. exhausting. But it's exhausting. Pro- it is exhausting. Yeah. So if you want something like that, yeah, slow drama like that, uh, that's... Uh, you know, it's a pretty good mystery, and it kind of plays back and forth as far as who did it and did he do yeah. it, did he not do it. They did a good job with that. They did. But ultimately, it did not stick the landing. Nice form, but a little rough on the landing. He may have to settle for the bronze. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, uh, but I mean, I got to say, Chris Evans was really fantastic. In yes, it. like that's. Yes. I mean, if it wasn't him in that role, I don't. I'm not sure if it would have been as compelling. Uh, I was very impressed as it was. Yeah, but but he played it in such a compelling way that it kind of kind of drew me. And he's very conflicted. And J.K. Simmons also amazing. Great didn't surprise! Even know, I know. Didn't even know he was in it. Neither did I. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Jay, I didn't watch Artemis Fowl, and I'm sure you didn't either. Did and But we did have a listener, our good friend Thomas Iannucci, who wrote a review for it and uh, submitted it. It's a little long, so I'm not going to do it here in What Are You Watching? I'm going to do it after the credits. So after after uh, after our outro and everything, I'll, I'll come back on and I will read the review and you and I will discuss it. But it'll be for after the show because it, it is a little bit of a long review, but he took the time to send it to us, so I want to make sure that Great. we put it here in the show. I actually asked him to send it in. I didn't realize it was going to be a fucking college dissertation, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he is a big fan of the Artemis Fowl book series. So he's passionate about it. Understandable. I'll include that towards the end here uh, at the end of the episode. But I also got down to watching another Netflix series. I watched Bill Burr's F is for Family. This is the fourth season. So uh, much like you know other animated uh, animated shows on Netflix, it's been out for a little while. Like BoJack Horseman, which I think just wrapped up. Big Mouth should be coming up with a fourth season pretty soon. This is F is for Family's fourth season. If you're a fan of Bill Burr's comedy. You'll probably enjoy this series. And the fourth season was, I, I, I'm not going to say it was the best season yet, because I think, I think one and two were stronger than this, but I think it was better than the third season. So I, I really enjoy it. I love the character of Frank Murphy. I think it's kind of interesting to, to watch that and then you know think back that, about how our dads raised us and realize probably how hard it was for them mm. being raised by someone who was even worse than they were. <laughs> Mm. So, because the seventies is just an interesting, interesting time in our country. So, I love sure. it for 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 that for that uh, story in a vacuum that way. So, I I still recommend that show. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Bill Burr's comedy, but I, there's just something so satisfying. I like him. About, I don't love him. But I like him. Yeah, but there's just something so satisfying, like when Bill Burr flips out on somebody. Or as God is my witness, I will put you through that fucking wall. We're outside, genius. There is no wall. Then I will build one, and I will fucking put you through it. Oh, so help me God. If I started building walls today and didn't stop for the next 10 years, there still wouldn't be enough of them to fucking put you through. <laughs> well, it's his voice, yeah. And, and it's yeah. Uh, it just you, it just feels like... A mixture of somebody that you you like and somebody you don't like, but in a very honest way, <laughs> Cle- right, yeah, clearly spoken type of way. You know, it's, it's like that friend that sometimes <laughs> you invite him to the bar because he's a good time, but other times you just don't want to deal with him. Yeah, <laughs> so you yeah, don't yeah. call him. You don't invite him to the bar with you this time. So, so that's uh, I mean, that's that's F is for family. Uh, you know, invite it if you want. <laughs> Invite, invite it to the bar if you want. All right, Jay, what else did you get down to watching this week? Uh, the final thing is a, a real known miniseries on HBO. I Know This Much Is True. Now, this was, I think I previously mentioned, and it's well done. Derek C. in France, written and directed feature. Um, he shot it like a feature film. It's a great, somber, depressing <laughs> indie watch uh, about life and the troubles and about family, brothers, legacy, history. Um, and it, it ends with 
with a bang a very somber bang but it's a it's a good bang it comes to you know a great conclusion i think it's a great character study it's little heavy it's very what's somber a, but i think if you like that kind of bang? stuff you watch it like you know I, I bang my head it's not it's not very somber you know a bomb goes off that's a bang that's not very somber like what's a is it like banging on pots and pans with a pillow over it where it's just the no, nah, it's just the, the truth. I think it's the the reality and the realistic truth of it all is is the heavy hand of it. You know, gotcha. it's in your face, but it's really good. Well, I got a review to do, a brief five minute ish review for the Netflix original movie directed by Spike Lee, The Five Bloods. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused. And to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the soul brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Welcome back to Vietnam. All right, so The Five Bloods, as mentioned, is directed by Spike Lee. It stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and uh, someone you might remember from the Tanya Harding movie, I, Tanya, Paul Walter Hauser. He was also just in Richard Jewell, uh, the Clint Eastwood-directed film earlier this year. <clears throat> so uh, right, this right. follows five black Vietnam vets who return to Vietnam to find their fallen squad leader, his dead body, and bring him back to the States. But their ulterior motive is to search for a big box of gold bars that were being delivered to Vietnam for relief. Vietnam didn't ask for, for cash from the United States. They they wanted gold. So as relief to, to bring money in, they were bringing in gold. And a cargo plane crashed, and they were the squad that was sent to secure it and get this gold. But once looking at it, much like Three Kings or something of that elk, they decided that that was their gold. And because they because they were black soldiers and because they were forced to fight in a war for a country to where they are not full citizens of, it, it, to them, it was their gold. Unfortunately, they get attacked by the Viet Cong and they are separated and end up going home, leaving the gold there. But they return in their elder years to find their squad leader and the gold. While it is a very you know, racially charged movie for, you know, in a positive light. Uh, you know, one of the things about it that I really, really liked was I liked how they smartly weaved black history throughout the scripts, right? It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel, it didn't, it's, I mean, it's message was blunt. Don't get me wrong. And that's fine. What I liked is how right. they weaved his, like, his black historical figures into it. And even Vietnamese historical figures. And then by the end, it, it, this this story that was that was very much you know a black soldier's story it, it kind of becomes everybody's story towards the end and that's that's one of the things that, that I really like now while while the, their struggle was the main focus of it by the time you get to the end it, it, there's there's almost like a passing of the torch that 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 goes on which I really enjoyed each each of the characters was was pretty well flushed out especially Paul who was played by Delroy Lindo and 
Otis, who was played by Clark Peters, and even Jonathan Majors, who plays Delroy Lindo's son in it, David. It, it was just really well-crafted for its characters. Its script, while clumsy at times, uh, there were moments of real heart that I that, that just drew me in. And it takes a little while for it to get going. It really takes its time for you to get to know these characters before it puts them in a shitty situation that starts ramping up the anxiety. Does it does it do too much bouncing around in time? No. No. For not you? At all. One of okay. the interesting things is that while this is all older actors playing these roles, when they do the flashbacks, they don't have younger men playing them. They are playing the younger men and not through de-aging technology or anything like that. They are just as old as as they are in the present as they were as, as they are in the flashbacks, except for Chadwick Boseman, who plays Norm, who is the, their squad leader, whose body they're going to recover. And, and I really like that because, A, it, it takes the guesswork out of who's who when they were younger, but also it, it's, it's, a, it's a visual representation that part of you never leaves that place. Mm. never leaves war so when they have a flashback it's them as the age they are now because they've never left there it's always been with them gotcha. and I, so i really like that visual aspect of it um but it really does ramp up the anxiety and stuff as as the story gets going and it has a few shocking moments it has some some bloody and gory moments and it has some truly heartfelt moments one of the things i noticed was like in the editing there's some there's some cuts where it felt like the editor made the cut too quick and it, it almost was jarring for for half a second but when i thought about it i started thinking like maybe they did that purposefully to 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 continue that anxious that anxious feeling you know kind of like how they are feeling with a lot of their post-traumatic stress that they're having while they're and fragmented memories and stuff like that of the horror yeah so yeah. so when it when it's like a hard cut and you're like wait a minute what what just happened it's almost like that cut is happening in their mind more so than it is happening on the screen for us i'm not saying it's a perfect movie it's 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 far from it it's it's a damn enjoyable movie it's extremely interesting and uh i i really think i mean obviously you know with the political climate we're in right now it is the type of story that we need i mean much like Black Klansman was last year or the year before. So it's it's definitely a recommend. And for a score, I think I'm going to be giving it a B plus. Uh, I really enjoyed it. There is there is some lag in it. I, I do think they could have taken time to develop some of the other members of the crew. And, and, and like I said, while the message is blunt, it is one we need to hear. Towards the end, it kind of feels like a rush. Like it really feels like the mm. end. What by the time they get to the end and they're doing like their wrap up and everything like that, it, it's just kind of like bang, bang, bang. It does leave you somewhat guessing if one of the main characters was alive or dead or not. You, you'll know who I'm talking about if you if you've seen it. I th- you know I think that character was dead and his last memory that he's having is more of like a more of like a this is how he wishes it, it would end for him but it's not he's he's ending it bleeding out lying there dying but anyway it, it, it's a little vague at the end and I, I I think it really rushes its ending I felt like they they could have they could have had it made a, a, a bigger emotional punch towards the end uh, and I, I think it failed to do that but. Uh, ultimately all throughout i really enjoyed it so it's a solid b plus okay cool yeah it was one of those movies where i did not love the trailer 
Um, I was going to keep it on the back burner and see what people's impressions were when it came out before I kind of gave it a shot. I'll, yeah. I'll say this. It looked like, you know, it it's almost too bright. It's it's digital. Like it very much looks like a Netflix television series more so than a film. More so well, than a Well, it, it switches the aspect ratio it up does. a little bit, right? Yeah. It does. Yeah, when they do flashbacks, it switches it up and stuff like that. But uh I I felt like for for this movie, it seemed too clean. Like I I I I kind of wanted it to feel like I'm dirty, I'm in the jungle with them and stuff like that. But it it was very bright and 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 that that's one of the aspects that like really drew me out of it at times where I was just like it's it's so Yeah, that's the cinematographer's clear. problem right there. Yeah, and I was just like the ball. it it really looks like a a Netflix television series more so than a movie. And if Netflix wants these movies to compete with you know, yeah. cinema with yeah. with movies in the theaters, then it, it needs to find a way to to balance that. Because I mean, it, you could have told me that this was shot on an iPhone. I don't know. I didn't look into how this film was shot. You could have told me this was shot on an iPhone, and I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, wow. it's that it, it's that type of 4K crystal clear. Oh, that's a huge visuals. gripe of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would yeah. hate that. I know you're going to hate that. That's why I, w- I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that before you uh-huh. jumped into it. But uh, So that's going to do it for my review for that. It's a B plus. Uh, let us know what you think of it. Reach out to us on social media. All right, Jay, let's get, over, let's get out there and let's review this week's big video on demand release, kind of like the last big quote unquote movie that uh, will be coming to video on demand before theaters reopen, The King of Staten Island. Well, Oh, Dad's still dead. You don't get to act crazy your whole life just because Dad died, okay? The circles around your eyes are so dark. You look like an anorexic panda. We thought you could help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, you okay? I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. I feel like everybody's always disappointed in me. Nice listen. You're one of the few people who treat me like a person. You're welcome. All right, Jay. I got a brief synopsis for The King of Staten Island. We've all had a friend like Scott. He's fun. He gets you into trouble. He smokes a lot of weed. And he's so dumb, you can put him in an empty room and just watch him. And he'll still make you laugh like a puppy chasing his tail. Scott is a high school dropout who just can't get his life together, being scarred by the death of his father at a young age. But with everyone else in Scott's life moving on with theirs, maybe it's time Scott took a look into himself and make some positive changes. The only question is... Will he? All right, Jay. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna leave this as a spoiler-free review for the most part. But uh, you know, why don't you get into this Judd Apatow film, the latest Judd Apatow film starring Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, and Marissa Tomei? What did you think of it, man? First impressions. Well, the first impressions. Um, I thought it was a bit of a mess overall. I think it had a great heart. It had a good intentions. It had a big scope of what it wanted to be, it just never delivered. And I think it delivered in small character moments and in some small writing bits and pieces here and there. But ultimately, as a whole, it just didn't deliver. And I think, unfortunately, it it was underwritten for our main character of all people more than anything played by pete davidson and i think he did his best but i don't think he's a movie star i don't think he's a real actor see i actually really enjoyed him here i thought i thought pete davidson was Uh, i thought he was the draw i mean i bought him as the character and that's that's easy to do because this that this character is who pete davidson 
basically sees his life as being if he never took up comedy and never left Staten Island. Right. This is who he thinks he would be or or would have been right. had he never had he had he never you know, met with success. So uh, I, I I buy him here because it, it is him. He is playing a version of himself. Sure. Uh, so I thought I thought I thought it was great. I and I thought that. I mean, I, at least I thought he was great. I'm not saying I thought it was great. I thought he was great. But one of the things that like I, I really enjoyed was that you kept waiting for Scott to, you know, Pete Davidson's character to have a moment where like something clicked and they really move forward. And it happens in these tiny baby steps throughout the script. But if he, ever, <laughs> if he ever really did have a true monumental change, I think it would have been disingenuous to the character that he was playing, to the character that they gave us at the beginning of the film. Remember, this this film kind of spans only a couple months. So it, for mean, someone to make that change, it, it takes time. It, uh, growing up takes time. And he's starting very late in the game at the age of 24, trying to grow up. He so. is a serious moron. Like I, It was almost shocking. Shocking. I mean, it's it's probably one of the most shocking things I, I've ever seen on screen before. I mean, even even in movies. Uh, I mean, a 24-year-old pretty much writing himself and playing himself does himself no favors. Like he is a like literally a, a moron. Well, Jay, if you've ever if you've ever watched his his stand up, that is Pete Davidson. He does himself no favors even in his own stand up. Yeah, this. So. I don't know. How, I don't know how anybody likes this guy. <laughs> Oh, I He's love that him. dumb. It's that Absolutely bad. Love it's him. that bad. But I, it was one of the things that really I struggled with. The first half of this film was a lot worse than the, the second half of the movie to me. I mean, you say that. You say you don't know how people love him, but I love you. I love you a lot. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not nearly <laughs> as dumb as he is in this movie. And oh. Oh. I'll point to a few relationships in your past. <laughs> oh, anything tops this. Pro- prove you wrong. Anything sir. tops this. <laughs> And uh, there, for me, there was only two main uh, standouts for me, and it was you know a couple supporting roles, and I thought they were great, played by Bell Powley and Bill Burr, and I thought they were pretty powerful and very genuine, um, and they definitely played the moment, the, like the mature other half in in you know in scott's life i would say you know trying to pull him out of his bubble for better or worse and yeah it 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 works at times and doesn't work at times but you know and there's a lot of other nice little cameos here and there but uh, you know ultimately i think the story had good intentions it had good heart you know wanted to, to accomplish something it just never quite fully achieved it and I don't know if that's Judd's problem or if that was, you know, the writing with the, between Judd and Pete, but... That's what I was going to get into. You know, the runtime of this movie is, it's not, you know, it's not staggering by any stretch of the imagination, but Judd Apatow, I, I mean, especially with the movie Funny People, which may or may not be on one of our lists for top five Judd Apatow films, but that, that seems to be a problem of Judd Apatow's in his later films is he kind of allows the the the, the, the script to meander there's not enough there's not enough cut out he, he it's like it's like he leaves it all in and i'm not sure if that does the films any favors because there's there's definitely some meandering in this movie i think there's moments where it it feels like it could lead you to something later on in the story and it, and it doesn't uh, one of the things i think about is like he's tasked with walking bill burr's kids to school every day right mm-hmm. and the, and there's baby steps towards his progression as a mature person by doing that but there's real there's no real payoff for well, it just it. stops there, it just suddenly just is no longer in the movie and you don't see them ever again and that's like a couple different characters do that there's too there's that moment where bill burr realizes that maybe scott 
has something in him that that he can help help bring out to to give him a future and stuff when he's walking with his son but that's it it's another thing that's just a minor baby step towards him him growing up but it's something that i felt was important because it happened towards the end of the first act and it continues all the way through the third act you're expecting it to have not a monumental impact but some impact on the film and it, it really doesn't uh and there's so many moments like that where like you think like you know, the the pharmacy scene <laughs> like you think that that's going to have a major impact on him and i'm sorry me and my wife talked about it the, his friend who goes to jail his cat's dead erwin mm-hmm. schrodinger huh what's in the box schrodinger um a cat some poison and a cesium atom the cat is it alive or dead alive or dead answer him fool because Scott never once went to go feed that fucking thing, yeah. and he promised he would. Yeah. That cat's fucking dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's another moment where I was just like, he. It, there was a moment where like he had a, he had an opportunity to take a little bit of responsibility, and it's just one of those things. Like they do show him taking responsibility later on, but like why not at least show like that one scene of him doing this one thing where it's like it's building, where it's like he takes on a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more responsibility throughout the rest of the film to kind of leave me in a place at the end where it doesn't seem so up in the air because where this film ends it's he he's on that precipice of change he could walk in one direction and it doesn't he, even re- reach the ambiguous no. level yet even i mean it's right, yeah. premature of that it's, it's, and that was it's that third act change that you were expecting to happen towards maybe the beginning or the middle of the third act. And it, instead, it happens at the very end of the movie and credits roll where you're you're, you're not you're, you're kind of left like he, he really could just backslide and go back to being a shit the whole easily. rest of his life. Yeah. And I, I think they purposely did that, though. I, and I think Pete Davidson wanted it to be that way because that's what the life of a lower middle class kid like him is it, it could easily backslide one minute they're 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 going in one direction the next minute they're going in the other not everybody gets out of that life yeah no and I, I think I, I, to tell I a story sure. where somebody does get out of that life feels almost disingenuous to those uh, people who are stuck living that life you know what i mean I, and I, I that's a good perspective right there and i i do appreciate that because i am you know i kind of fall in that mold in a way bitch you just middle class you're not lower middle class don't even talk (sighs) talk same thing (laughs) family's never been to the trailer park (laughs) (laughs) anyway but i mean so it's it's things like that where it's like story wise it doesn't feel like it works because we're so used to this structure in our stories and this doesn't do that it doesn't follow it no no it so, doesn't and, and and nor and nor do and nor do you really understand the path that he's going to go on you know or, or what he's going to attempt to do because you know it, it shows it, it it gives you some breadcrumbs here and there and it completely doesn't show him to even being that's my problem with a dude like not, not even smart enough to even go for certain goals like that you know like 
it's it's you can't even watch over a cat for example and you know his mom is laughing at his face because he he cleaned a toilet you know and he actually you know the most basic minutia like chores or responsibilities that's one of the things i loved about marissa tomei's character is was was the best scene yeah she 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 played fed up really well really (laughs) well she 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 did a good job and makeup department did a great job just making her look fucking tired like Mm -hmm. she looked worn out Mm -hmm. and that's she does work two jobs and stuff like that in the film but I, it's not the jobs it's the fact that she spent her entire life babying this yeah, fucking babying and just and man child unhappy you know not loved and and not having kind of any kind of joy or excitement in her life you know yeah but like i said like there are parts of this movie sprinkled throughout that is great it's just it's just not a good film uh as a whole unfortunately for, to me and 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 for me i'm giving it a c plus and this is and it's mainly because of like i said it has good parts sprinkled throughout and it has a heart in its core but i do think it's a hugely flawed film um for numerous kind of reasons but i think it's mainly because of the writing and it's a little too long <laughs> I, I i think i'm a little bit more positive than that while I, I don't like the meandering of the script i do ultimately like the journey we're watching a film that's at the beginning of somebody's journey we're not sure where it's going to end up you know he could wind up like like fucking trevor and grand theft auto 5 i heard you was off smoking meth somewhere no not somewhere here he's gonna smoke meth here Give me a fucking lighter. Or he could wind up like the real life Pete Davidson, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, living living the high life. Well, living as much high life as you can get <laughs> living on Staten Island. He's the first person to make fun of fun <laughs> of his hometown, right? That's true, right? And that's one of the things I love. Like his his girlfriend, for for lack of a better word for her, because you know, again, a man child refuses to make any type of change. He he never takes kelsey on as an official girlfriend um maybe towards the end but even then the words are not said she wants to gentrify (laughs) staten island she wants staten island to be the new brooklyn (laughs) and uh michael che has a fantastic stand-up where he does he does a joke about brooklyn uh and the power of white women uh Mm. you should i watched that netflix uh stand up this this week uh you got to check it out it's funny as hell i will but anyway i'm due for one but i mean i I take this movie's flaws because I look at the surroundings and I look at the characters and the characters are flawed. So it's like the story matches the characters. So for me, I'm I'm ultimately positive on it. I like I still have some of the same problems you have. I you know, I, I do think it runs a little long. I think this could have done a bit shorter. And but I still think this is better than like another Pete Davidson film we got late last year, Big Time Adolescence. I think it's better than that. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be giving it uh, I don't know what I gave Big Time Adolescence lessons but i'm giving this one a b minus because that's that's where i feel on it i i enjoy it but yeah i think we had similar viewpoints on it but like you know you just enjoyed it a little bit more than i did at least i'm also a pete davidson fan you know i i I like him on snl i like his stand-up i find him to be an interesting person i don't care what celebrity he's dating i don't i don't follow that stuff but as, as far as it goes like one of his best friends is john fucking mulaney right like this dude who is constantly wearing a blazer (laughs) is one of his best friends mm. and like pete davidson is this scrawny crackhead looking maybe not a crackhead but <laughs> definitely high all the time guy uh who who dresses like he's 16 years old emulating a rap video and he stands next to this guy john mulaney who's always dressed at a fucking nines that <laughs> and john is mulaney's funny. 
hilarious but they're 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 good friends and it's it's just weird that like pete davidson has a weird amount of power for someone his age like he is going places don't get me wrong like he has a lot of friends he has a lot of friends and i'm not you know he's just a likable guy obviously i mean people like him but you know i i just don't think he really has the talent <laughs> i really don't i think he does jay he's 24 fucking years old yeah i know so <laughs> the <laughs> the talent's there. It, it just, it, you know, no one knocks it out of the park, you know, writing a script for the first time at 24 years old. This is the first screenplay he's no, ever I written. Know. I, I'm just saying overall in his career, like even as a comedian, like I'm not huge on him. And Judd Apatow picked it up and made it into a somewhat feature film. Mm-hmm. It certainly would have been if, if, if the quarantine didn't hit. So I'm ultimately positive on it. I don't think it's worth the $20 though. No, so no. I think that needs to be addressed yeah, because I'm trying to block that from cli- my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the current climate that we're watching movies, it, it is $20. Now you spent $20 to watch it by yourself. Not worth it. Right. I spent $20 to watch it with my wife. Whereas if we went to the theaters, we would have spent $50 on that night. Even after tickets, concessions and a beer or something, we would have spent over $50 on that night. So $20 in the house. Yeah. I'm used so, to paying $20 so a month on pretty much unlimited movies. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly so yeah it was but, but you know what it was just a movie that was on my list i wanted to see it you know i was, I was excited it's a new judd apatow film and you, you never you never know what you're gonna get you know the marketing is insane it's mm. everywhere it's on every every youtube video you watch there's sure. there's a king of staten island trailer playing on hulu it's playing constantly you know in between commercial breaks there uh it is uh on network television they're playing it all the time like the marketing for this was huge i know this is a low budget movie but it was being pushed to get those video on demand dollars uh and I, i'll be curious to see how it shakes out whether whether that paid off I'd whether enough people yeah. went out there yeah. to to pay the 20 dollars for it i i fully expect that three months from now this will be on amazon prime 100 percent, probably or Netflix, probably one yeah i mean this was supposed to be a theater release originally you know yes it was it was it was but I, I, I would argue that the studio probably is going to make more money from it being on video on demand. I agree. I definitely because agree. This is as more, we talked about before, they keep 70% of the profit. It's a blessing it's in disguise. I do yeah. believe, yeah, I think everybody included in this feature is going to do better off with, with it coming out on VOD. Yeah. All right, so that does it for our review. If you watched King of Staten Island, reach out to us like some of these people did on social media. Gerald from Two Peas on a Pod said, I want to see it, but $20? Nah, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> the Geekdom Fancast said, I heard it's $20 on video on demand. Pass. Beaver Does Movies on Twitter said, on it now. I can listen to Bill Burr yell at people for days. And he too is a big fan of F is for family. So Mm. uh, (laughs) if... Bill Burt, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's satisfying hearing him yell at people. It really is. So uh, I, I did enjoy him in this film. So if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, let us know what you thought of King of Staten Island. Please do. All right, Jay, uh, let's get into this week's sponsor. Do a brief ad, and then we will get into our top five Judd Apatow movies. This week, Super Movie Bros is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the safest Mm. and most efficient way for you to make sure that your balls look pretty for once. Let's face it, the male genitalia 
is not a good looking piece of human anatomy. No. It could stand with some sprucing up. So if you look down at your man jungle and you decide maybe you want to take a machete to that, then the safest way is to get the Manscaped lawnmower. It's got anti-cut technology, it's water resistant, and its battery can last up to three hours, which is kind of ridiculous. If you're hairy like me, you got the Robin Williams-esque hair bush, like full body bush, then uh, you're definitely going to want to check out the lawnmower. And if you got the booger bristles, like Jay and myself has, as we get older, the nose hairs, the ear hairs, they just continue growing. You can pick up the Manscaped Weed Whacker to take care of that stuff. Same anti-cut technology, water resistant, as well as a slew of other products, including ball deodorant, ball cologne, and just all manner of products to spruce up your area. Absolutely, Dave. I used it today. I got a date tomorrow, man. I got. A, I needed a, a, a full-on body sprucing. And I'm talking, man. I, I mean, I might be getting lucky tomorrow. I got to make sure I'm looking okay. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling comfortable and not all clammy and sweaty and and, and Harry for the girl. I mean, it's summertime now. Come on. Use our promo code SMBSHAVE at checkout to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code SMBSHAVE. Shave your balls and wash your ass for a better sex life. this week's top five we're gonna be doing a top five for judd apatow films now since he has only directed six feature films he does have a slew of television shows and some documentaries in there that he's directed but only six feature films we open this up to his entire directing and producing credit catalog so just to make it easier and just to give us a little bit of variety on this list and this is obviously in honor of the king of staten island coming out this week let's get started with jay jay what is your number five? Oh boy yeah my number five is knocked up holy crap what happened you got pink eye are you giving each other butterfly kisses or something ha 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 very funny that's not how you get pink eye you get it from Poo particles making their way into your ocular cavities. Hey, Ben. Yeah. How's it going? Um, I farted on Jason's pillow as a practical joke. He farted on Jonah's thinking it was mine, and then eventually pink-eyed my pillow. Um, not proud of any of this, but I think we've all for- forgiven each other, um, but we can't go anywhere. Wait, you can get pink-eye from farting in a pillow? Totally. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. This movie, um, you know, this is on the heels of the 40-year-old virgin, and this one was a surprise for me. I thought this one was pretty well executed, well-rounded. Catherine Heigl really put her on the map in Hollywood to... Uh, right. She's since fallen off it. You know, uh, yeah, she fell if, off As hard. if she believed in the flat earth and just kept sailing she, until she yes, fell off the side of it. Face uh, planted. Actually, you know, she's such a vile human being. She probably does believe in the flat earth theory. So Possibly, possibly. <laughs> but it gave the career to Seth Rogen, correct? It, you know, it really did. And, and I, I don't know if it gave 
gave him the career, but it definitely well, made him it a really, star. It made, yes, right. yes. It made him a leading man. It yes. took him from that from that place where he was a he was the side character, like he was in the Forty Year Old Virgin, or, or like he was in Undeclared and some of the Judd Apatow TV series. It took him from that place and and really put him as like a leading man. And I sure. mean. Now, you won't see him act as much because he is almost as goddamn powerful as Judd Apatow is in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. He's a big-time producer, Smart guy. A lot of good friends. I mean, he's probably, you know, half of Hollywood's weed dealer. (laughs) But you're right. It really did kind of start here with him getting his first role as a leading man. It really did. It really did. This one, and uh, and of course, the entry of uh, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann as a married couple, too. You know, they play a... They play a married couple in another feature film of Judd's later on in his career. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just say now it's not on my list, but, you know, kudos to that. You know, it's pretty cool. All right. My number five. Uh, this was a film that came out two years ago, Amazon original film, and it was produced by Judd Apatow, but it was written and starred Kumal Najiani. It is the big sick. Welcome to Quick and Hot. Can I take your order, please? Yeah, um, can I get a burger with four slices of cheese? Four burgers, anything else? No, one burger with four slices of cheese. One burger with four slices. Sorry, we can't do that. Just put four slices of cheese on a burger. We can't do that. There's no button. Who the fuck is this we, man? Who the fuck is this we? It's me and you. We're just people. Fucking listen to me. Fuck this corporate entity. Put four slices of cheese on the fucking burger. We can't do what that. What the fuck, you fucking idiot? Hey. Hey, look at me, look at me, because I'm a human being, you are a human being. Look at me, look me in the eyes when you fucked me. Look at me, please. I absolutely loved this movie when it came out. I, I, It was very funny, very heartfelt. It was, it was not what I expected from the guy that was in Silicon Valley. And yeah. it's, it's what really showed me that like Kamal Najiani, he's, he's not just an actor. He's a talent. He he really is. He's he's a talented writer. He's a talented comedian, and he is a talented actor. And you know, this film hit me with so many different feelings, man. It it is one of those. It made me laugh. It made me cry, and it made Ray Romano come back. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, for a little while. You know, I, I love it. This is on my honorable mentions. I, I really do love this movie. It's great. Um, it, it was a really good surprise, and it has a great ending. Yeah, it, it really does. And one of the things that I really love about it is just Kamal Najiani and the you know a lot of people take it as a very casual nature of his he treats his he treats his race and his background so cavalier throughout the film but it really is a part of him and who he is and and, and i and i like that I, I i i love these stories you know whether whether you're a pakistan whether you're a pakistani or whether you are hindi or you know or these new first generation americans stories like this you know uh we got something similar to it in crazy rich Asians. You know, I, I like these stories because whether you like it or not, whether, you know, you think America is greater again or not, this is the new America. You know, their, their stories are just as important as the stories of, you know, your Irish great grandmother and great great grandfather who came off the boat or my great grandmother and great grandfather who came off the boat you know these stories are are the new america and and that's one of the things that i love because i it's it's completely different culture and i love getting a a first hand account or a second hand account 
of it. And uh, it's something that I that really resonates with me. I really enjoy it. So for, for that reason as well. Yeah. Big sick. All right, Jay, what's your number four? Number four, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Uh, boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Brick, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You should find yourself a safe house or a relative close by. Lay low for a while because you're probably wanted for murder. You know, Jay, I've been to San Diego before. <laughs> it was founded by the Germans, and it means a whale's vagina. And uh, this is my number four as well, man. Oh, nice. Very nice. I, think, I, think I feel like our, us, our top fives never quite match up usually. <laughs> no, <laughs> they usually good. don't. But I think if you asked us when we were, let's say, between the ages of 16 and 18, this would have been number one on our list. Mm. 100%. Um, um yeah well okay oh well yeah all right <laughs> i think i it, know what you mean it yeah. is made for the juvenile mind yes and, but it it's it's also incredibly smart it's but and it's incredibly funny everyone is fucking fantastic in it yes everyone huge but, cast all deliver it's fantastic so adam mckay really put him on the map as a director with the comedy and and you know this is also written by him with adam mckay um I mean, you know, Judd, Judd was obviously a big producer, friends with all these people. It's written by everybody because this film was so ad-libbed that if you, there are versions of the DVD that have two completely oh, different versions of the film on it. It's with so two long. completely different stories mm-hmm. with some different characters as well that mm-hmm. show up. So yeah, there's, there's the film that ends at the planetarium after with, with a bunch of like robbers and stuff like that and bad guys. And then there's the version, the theatrical version that we got. It's it's wild how how much these guys wrote so much of this film on I, hand I, I, on I set just fucking around. I know and it's hilarious, and, and, it, and it does it delivers, and it's so rewatchable. It's so quotable. It's so much fun. It's it's just <laughs> I I still laugh just thinking about it sometimes. You know, I mean the delivery on some of those lines. It's killer, killer. To this day, no one can say the city. San Diego to me without me either saying stay classy San Diego or a whale's vagina (laughs) (laughs) and we've all wanted to learn to play the jazz flute at some point or Uh, another as a result of this movie sure (laughs) all right Jay we're coming back to you for a number three number three super bad I don't see the harm in bringing one little condom and one little bottle of spermicidal lube yeah one little bottle of spermicidal lube Evan that's psycho shit, man. It's not. It's like Charles Manson shit. What do you think Becca's gonna be psyched that you brought a bottle of lube? Oh, Evan, thank you for bringing that lube for my pussy. I never would have been able to handle your fucking four-inch dick inside my pussy without that gigantic bottle of lube. Okay, that's fuck. That's enough. These girls are 18 years old. They're not dried up old ladies. They're good to go. Then I won't bring the lube. All right, man. This is not on my list. It, it is oh. on my honorable mentions. Gotcha. I don't think it ages well. See, I might be, you know, you might want to say that I'm um, uh, I want to say that I'm a cupcake or something, you know, because well, I, I respect that. I do respect that. And maybe because it makes maybe me cringe a little when I watch it now. And I was like, oh, these 
kids talk about women in such an awful fashion. And I was yes. like, how many years ago is this? 13 years ago? And then I was like, was I like this when I was a kid? Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. I was. I know. And I and, and I agree with that because yeah. there are moments in this movie when I've recently right. rewatched it and it is uh, squeamish. I mean, right. it's and pretty it, brutal, especially Jonah Hill's character. I mean, he's, he's pretty fucked up. I think the fact that I cringe at it now shows me that I have matured a little bit yeah. in my life. And it was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And it is written as if they were these characters when they were young Mm -hmm. so in a way they're almost it's almost satirical they're poking fun at how they were when they were that age they don't believe these things now but that's how they were when they were in high school sure but i think for me what really stood up not just the comedy from when it came out at the time and i enjoyed it um and the cultural reverence and it just like it, it, it was a cultural landmine that just dropped into hollywood and kids loved it adults respected it they had a kick out of it um the audacity of this movie sometimes went to to great lengths uh for better or worse sometimes and you know it's the pretty much the yeah, a debut performance of Emma Stone uh, as well. I mean, she's yeah. obviously one of our fantastic young actresses out there now in Hollywood, and and Christopher Mintz Plus, uh, yeah, for better or worse, sure. Uh, who Mc, is McLovin, uh, of course? Absolutely. Always, that meme has always cracked me up, where McLovin is dressed exactly in 2007 as Joaquin Phoenix's Joker does in 2019. <laughs> yeah. That I love cracks that. me up. I swear. Uh, I could see I could see Joaquin Phoenix secretly doing that on purpose. <laughs> In subsequent viewings, I've enjoyed Seth Rogen and Bill Hader's characters far more than like the kids in it. Yeah. But still, my favorite scene is at the house party where like they're all doing coke and they they make Michael Sarah sing these eyes cried so many nights for you <laughs> that's what i mean like there's so many great little moments and you're right bill Hader and, and and seth are fantastic in this movie but i think ultimately is the is the story of friendship and two friends yeah. and you know you got you, you do everything together and then you know you guys kind of clash or just life comes at a head where you know you're going to be moving on and 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 because of life purposes and reasons and i can relate to that in some ways and and it was it it stays with me to this day and i think ultimately at the core you're you know that you're always going to be uh deep down friends for life regardless it certainly was like an interesting ending with those two like kind of just cuddled up in in one of their basements and it's just like i love you i love you too and it's like oh you know yeah Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it seriously, end. it's you know, it's not the American Pie ending where they're all waking up in bed next to their prom date, just kind of like satisfied with having you know conquered the vagina and putting the pussy on a pedestal, and they they achieve the ultimate high school kids goal of getting laid. You know, it's no. it. Well, that was their goal. It went somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it it went somewhere else with it. All right. Jay, my number three, uh, this is another one that is produced by Judd Apatow, not directed. It's Bridesmaids. You lost your fucking mind? What are you doing? What am I doing? You know what? You wouldn't know, would you? Where have you been? You would have no idea. Let me fill you in, okay? Ever since you got engaged, everything's turned to shit. You know what? This is supposed to be about my time. You have managed to ruin every event in my wedding. Thank you very much. Okay, well, thank you very much. It's all her fault. It is not mine. And you would know that if you got your beautiful haired head out of your asshole. In fact, out of her asshole, which I'm sure is perfectly bleached. You know what? It is. 
And you know how I know? Because I went to the fucking salon with her and I got my asshole bleached too. And I love my new asshole. You know what? Why can't you just be happy for me and then go home and talk behind my back later like a normal person? Mm, honorable mention of mine. Yep. I absolutely love this movie. I think out of all the movies on the list, this is probably the one I've seen the most. Uh, mostly because my wife is a massive fan of it and watches mm-hmm. it a lot, but also because it is like one of those perfectly balanced comedies where it, you know, it hits you with so many, some ridiculous jokes, some, some jokes about life where you kind of see yourself in that position and it, and it makes you yeah. laugh because it's almost holding a mirror to you in, in a way. And I, I, I gotta say just for once putting women forward in the comedy was something that previously hadn't really been, been done i know which is shocking right it It was it was well long overdue and it was needed and especially with this kind of size of an ensemble cast it was great yeah and the cast is just absolutely fantastic made melissa mccarthy an even bigger star you know she had her network television show where she was probably making a good chunk of change but it was after this after her role in in bridesmaids where we kind of saw her everywhere i mean now she's dying down a little bit but you know for close to a decade as a result of bridesmaids she was fucking everywhere Mm. and yeah you you can't take it away from maya rudolph and and kristen wig either because both of them were absolutely fantastic and and rise and rose byron uh you know everyone was great in it it was hilarious and it it, kind of felt like the true to life version of your friend getting married with a little bit of flair uh and and nothing beats her getting fucked up on the plane because that oh yeah <laughs> that part oh yeah cracks me up <laughs> all right jay uh we're back to you man what's your number two Step Brothers. hey man did you touch my drum set nope it's just weird because seems like someone definitely touched my drum set yeah, that is weird. Because I didn't touch him. Hey! Did you touch my drum set? Hey, knock it off! I know you touched my drumstick. Because the left one has a chip in it. You fucking crazy man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. Fuck you, Brennan. I know you touched my drum set, and I want to hear that dirty little mouth admit it. You get out of my face, or I'm going to roundhouse your ass. You swear on your mom's life! That you didn't touch it then. I don't have to swear to shit. That's because you fucking touched my drum set. Because I know cops doesn't start till four. Okay. I love this be movie. It is though this movie comedy wise, straight up kills me. Just the dynamic t- between Will Ferrell and John C. Riley is epic in so it many ways. I don't ways. know what it is. Oh. I know this is and like, I understand. This is not, it's, it's yeah. either love it or hate it. I do. I get it. No, in some I don't ways. hate it either. But, but like, this is like, like every guy that I know, like in college and even, and, and even to this day loves this movie. And for me, even the first time I saw it, don't get me wrong. I liked it. I laughed at it. I was never in love with it. I don't know I, why, to be honest, because I'm a little surprised about myself liking this movie as much as I do. <laughs> Here's what's weird. People are going to hate me hate me for this, but I like Talladega Nights better than I like Step Brothers. Uh, I, I respect that. That's that's an honorable mention of mine as well, because that's, that's a great comedy movie as well that I was not expecting to like as much as I did. And, and, and ultimately, it didn't have the rewatchability for me. Um, as say this one does for me, but you know, but <laughs> what Richard, are you doing? <laughs> burying you. <laughs> but 
I'm alive. Shut up. You're going to wake the neighbors. <laughs> like Adam Scott was great. Richard Jenkins, of course, and Mary Steenberg. And I mean, like there was, oh God, Catherine Hahn, Catherine Hahn. Oh my God. Adam oh, Scott so lifts good. his, lifts his uh, shirt and he, he clearly has uh, like the abs of a dude who's 50 pounds oh heavier than God. him. I know. <laughs> I know. It was just, it's just so fucking great. This, this movie, it's so, it's just, it's, it's one of those rare movies that went for audacious and crazy to the utmost degree, uh, pushing like the limits of kind of like reality where it's almost unwatchable, but it worked. It somehow worked. And the ending with the Catalina wine mixer thing and the singing and uh, boats and hose, like <laughs> it's just <laughs> it. I love this movie and it's a great classic comedy for me and I, I, I love it. I do. All right. Jay, my number two, uh, I, I know my list is going to depart from a lot of people's. I think your list, Jay, is probably the one that people would vote for if we were to put this to a poll. Uh, but my number two is This Is 40. At least she's getting some. What'd you say? At least she's getting some? Yes. What are you talking about? We had sex the other night. You got to give me a little credit for that. It's not about credit. It's not about, we just, we need to have more passion. Like this. That's not passionate. It looks passionate to me. What? What is she doing? Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Don't do that! What am I doing? Don't fart in the bed! I'm not. It's the springs. This is why we never have sex. That's disgusting. You're gross. I don't know what you're talking about. You're so... God! Uh, I absolutely love this mm. movie. I think being married and being in a relationship for so long, there's so much to relate there for me. Like just just watching sure, it, and sure. I remember watching this when it first came out. I wasn't in a serious relationship. I didn't understand, you know, love or marriage or anything like that. I didn't understand any of that shit. Yeah. So for me, it was like, huh. But like rewatching it several times over the past couple of years, you know, now having kids, now being married and stuff like that, it is a stark reality of the funny parts of marriage and some of the sad parts too that I really love. And nothing says we're stuck together for the rest of our lives you know, unless a court steps in than laying on a bed, spreading your ass cheeks with a mirror and making your wife check out a weird lump on your asshole. <laughs> wow yeah that is true and and that's a scene in this movie or like one of the things that like cracks me up is like she makes him get up she's like where's the poop show me the poop you're in here five times a day she's like flipping out on him for going to the bathroom all the time and she's like it doesn't even smell and i was like i do that like sometimes i take longer poops just to get away for a while (laughs) it's 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 a reality thing like it's so i i really enjoyed it i it's something that when i go back to i think as i get older i relate to it more and more Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things about the judd apatow directed films is he puts a lot of himself in these movies that he writes and directs and i think none more so than probably funny people which uh, i you know i'm mentioning because it's nowhere on my list because it's not great me neither but it probably is the most personal story that judd apatow has ever 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 told well is there any other honorable mentions that you want to mention because i already mentioned all of mine in yeah. in the show 40 year old virgin is an honorable mention for me 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's it is. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love that movie. It's just when I think about it in contrast to the rest of these ones, it's the one I'd probably go back to the least. It's the one where I feel like its comedy is a is probably more juvenile than the rest of the stuff that's on my list. I mean, with the exception of Anchorman. But also, again, it's one of those movies where like I watch it now and I watch how like the men are talking about women, and I'm like. Jeez, man. Uh, okay. I mean, granted, that all turns out to be wrong by the end, but it is an absolutely hilarious movie that puts Steve Carell on the map, and it's still still absolutely hilarious. It just it doesn't make my list because it's just not as rewatchable as some of these other ones. And then the other one, Jay, is Pop Star. Never stop, never stop. That was a surprise good movie for me, too. It yeah, was. yeah. It I, was. I, you got I, me to watch that. I, yeah, yeah. That was a surprise. That would be an honorable mention for me, probably. Yeah. Fucking yep. hilarious, dude. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like, you know, like. That should not a, have been as good as it is. <laughs> no, it's very underrated. And there are like these underrated, like, mockumentaries that are out there. Like, uh, I know a lot of people passed on Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Mm-hmm. Don't pass on that. That's I a love fucking. That movie hilarious movie yeah and so is pop star never stop never stopping like those they're absolutely yeah, card should have been more of a hit when it came out that was under, that was that was i think i think people assumed it was like the in the vein of scary movie or meet the spartans or you know not another teen movie these type of spoof movies where it, it is but it's less like those and it's more like airplane <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's far better comedy than than those and drama other films and drama. Yeah, you it know, it's, it's it's really good. It does walk that line pretty well. Yeah. So, well, all right, Jay, we're here. What's your number one? Man? My number one is the forty-year-old virgin. Okay, I knew it would be. Really? Did you? Let, let me just say, you are you are putting the pussy up on this pedestal. You're just building the pussy up, man. What are you even talking about? Building the pussy up? What does that mean? You making the pussy into this great big Greek goddess named Pussalioth, and you, what you're doing is you're psyching yourself into thinking it's yeah. some impossible feat. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm putting the pussy up on a pedestal. Right. That's it. It's Pussalioth, right? Look, look where you going. I don't want to say the word anymore. Say what I, word? Pussy. Fuck I don't it. want to say it. Well, yeah. for me, this comedy is 100% me. I, I absolutely love it. It still holds up. I know it's corny as shit, but for me, it delivers more than it does with Anchorman, for example, or Step Brothers. You are one of those guys that work in the electronics store just like... <laughs> giving him advice on sex all the wrong advice sometimes yeah you're right yeah you're right no no i know i know (laughs) and and you're right because exactly man i mean so i love little bits and pieces of the advice from each friend and 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 how i can kind of relate to some of them and it's just too fucking funny and you know romani malco he's always been one of my favorite uh comedic actors that's never quite been big enough you know to be a huge star and i always loved him he's one of my favorites and you know it puts elizabeth banks on the scene um katherine keener played a great rock solid girlfriend uh you know for for the steve carell character andy to to go after and you know paul rudd had a great paul rudd role for him man it really it did. was it, it was a great was. role he Bone delivered it yeah <laughs> Seth Rogen was Seth Rogen, obviously. And, you know, and the great Jane Lynch, this really put her on the map as well for her um, to do some, you know, comedic roles in the future. Uh, And, you know, it's just, it's a very rewatchable movie for me. It's kind of the opposite. What you said in yours, it's it's the opposite for me. I, I, I can always just 
flip through the channels. This comes on. I'm going to leave it on. And Kat Dennings. I remember watching this in the theaters and oh, seeing yes, Kat yes, Dennings. Yes. And I was like, yeah. All right, she's she's interesting. Like there was something yeah. interesting about her in this she movie. And understated, it, great teenage performance. Yeah, it was. Um, she she nailed it. She really did, especially at that time. I don't know if she's ever lived up to the hype. Like after after all this, uh, I did recently watch no. a Hulu series of hers. That, she hasn't that done I, much. I mean, I think she's been busy and content with uh, two broke girls. Oh, that ended. Well, I'm just saying. That was yeah, on that, for a while, though. That ended, but I just watched her in a in a Netflix series. I'm sorry, in a Hulu series that that she was in, oh. and I I quite liked it. It's called Dollface. I, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I should have brought it up. And what are you watching? But um, it is very much like a quote unquote chick show because it follows a bunch of women, and she's she she lost all of her women friends after a breakup. Uh, you know, because she was in a five year long relationship, she kind of oh. ignored all of her best friends, and now that she's newly single, she she's she's finding out that sure. like as a woman, you need female friends, and she's trying to get back into that groove with her female friends and stuff, and. It is very female centric, but I don't care. I like I'm the type of person. Yeah, I don't but if it's believe, a good show, it's a good show. I don't believe in chick flicks. Like sometimes I just want to fucking watch a romantic comedy, goddammit, and I will fucking watch a romantic comedy. I don't care how cliched it is. Sometimes I just want a little sweet home Alabama. Yeah, I just want it. it <laughs> I, it's hey, comfort food. I, for I me. hear you, dude. I, love I it. hear you. So so I uh, but I, it's a show I really enjoyed. And I suggest that men you watch it with your wife and uh find out what single girls really talk about when when you're not around. Oh boy. Jay, my number one, you already mentioned it, it was your number five. It's knocked up. Ah, yeah. So I have something that I really need to tell you is kind of why I called you. <laughs> Here it goes. Um I'm pregnant. Fuck off. What? What? I'm pregnant? With emotion? With a baby. You're the father. I'm the father. Yes. How the fuck did this happen? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I thought you were wearing a condom. No. What? I wasn't. Why not? Because you told me not to. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? You told me not to. I did not tell you not to wear a condom. Here's what happened, okay? I will give you a play-by-play of my memory. I almost had the condom on my dick. It was on the cusp. And then you said, just do it already. I didn't mean do it without a condom. I meant do it, like hurry up, like get fucking going. Well, I assumed you're wearing a patch or like a dental dam or one of those fucking butterfly clips or something like that. It's like saran wrap. It's disgusting, okay? But I thought you had one. Why the fuck didn't you stop me once we started? I don't know. I couldn't tell that you didn't have one on, obviously. I was drunk. Was your vagina drunk? Do you think it's the thinnest condom on earth I have on? I'm a fucking inventor. I mean, a dick skin condom. He hollowed out a penis and put it on. What the fuck? You are unbelievable. Just, Just like This Is 40, it's something that becomes funnier after you've lived it. And I lived it. Yeah, you did, brother. Yeah, I I lived it. Like my my child was, you know, my my kid's mom. We were we're good friends, and we were good friends when she was, I guess, conceived or whatever you want to say. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it was not the ideal situation to be having a child in, you know. And I, I you know, I lived through. I lived through all the same fears that Seth Rogen had throughout that entire film, and. I, I think if I watched this movie while that was going on, it would have been too painful to watch. But watching it after it's all done, it, you can relate to a lot of the stuff that's in it, and uh, you know, which you know goes into why this is forty is also on why these are my one and two, man. Mm-hmm. Because 
it's it's stuff that becomes funnier when you're living it. So they don't they don't meet the age range of 18 to 24, you know, to 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 be those massive hits, you know right. what I'm talking about? They're they're a little bit more understated than that where it's funnier when you've gone through it. They're they're personal stories and, and they're funnier when they're true. So uh, that's why that's why this is here. I love this movie, dude. I and you know, nothing beats you know him living in this house with all of his friends. It just looks like a fucking crack den. And oh, it does. The, the arguments they have are fucking hilarious. It, it, it really resonates with me. So yeah, that's that's it, man. That's my top five. Uh, I love I, it. I, like I said, if we put this to a poll, I'm a hundred percent sure. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, I that know. You would, Mine's a better witness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yours are just like more of the fan favorites. Mine, like when I watch comedy. Yeah, that's, but, I, but it's that's funny how because our, our our fives are kind of opposite. You know, most people would have probably suspected that uh, your list would be my list. You know, to be to be quite frank. Um, yeah, but you know, it is what it is, and and, and comedy, as always, is subjective. Oh, hugely. And, it's always funnier when it's something that's relatable to you. So that's true. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. So anyway, that's it. That's going to do it for our show this week. Stay tuned after our outro, because we will be reading Thomas Iannucci's Artemis Fowl review. If you're enjoying the show and this is more than the first time you've listened to it, consider leaving us a five-star review on the podcast listening app of choice. If you write us a review, we will read it on the show. If you're really enjoying the show and you want more content from Super Movie Bros, you can head over to patreon.com slash podcast For just $1 a month, you can get all the additional content that we have available over there. If you would like to comment on the episode, you can reach out to us on Twitter at SuperMoviePod or reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Jay, where can I find you on there? Oh, well, you can reach me on Instagram, SuperMoviebros. Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast, and on Twitter, J underscore SMB. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so Artemis Fowl skipped the theaters, went directly to Disney Plus, and it looks like Disney is going to be eating a lot of dollars on this one. Uh, it was quite an expensive film to make. Luckily, they saved a little bit on the marketing just by putting it straight to Disney Plus. But here is our good friend Thomas Iannucci's review of it. You know, he was a big fan of the novels, so. Take what he says with a little bit of a grain of salt. <laughs> so first off, Thomas wrote this right after watching the film. So this is a bit of a rage rant, more so than it is a review. But here it is. Understandable. Artemis Fowl, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Loved Watching This Movie Bomb. 
It was humid, miserable Saturday evening in June when I decided to set my many, many apprehensions about the new Artemis Fowl movie aside and attempted to give it a fair shake it deserved. Looking back, I suppose I should have realized that in a day where the radiator of my beat-up old Mitsubishi exploded, leaving my fiancés and I was stuck in the middle of a busy highway experiencing the complete and utter butchering of my favorite childhood novel would be the culmination of and not an escape from my troubles that day. From the moment Josh Gad's strangely overacted Mulch Diggums appeared on screen, getting arrested by humans on national TV, which already goes against the fairy's strict policy of avoiding human attention and absolute core part of the plot in the novel, to give us some heavy-handed exposition. I knew that I was destined for disappointment, but as I munched unhappily on my turkey burger with a puffed rice cracker instead of a bun, my current diet is almost but not quite as unpleasant as this film i was determined to see this movie through so you citizen of the world do not need to add watching this movie to the growing list of tragedies from 2020 seconds later when the famously unathletic artemis fowl is shown easily surfing at high speed with his father i knew that any attempt at adherence to an original novel had been thrown out. Disgusted, I put down my faux burger and turned my attention to my equally unappetizing spinach and egg fritter, <laughs> which were still more appealing than anything I saw on screen for the rest of the film. That's Dude. saying something. Tom, buddy, a little bit of hot sauce on eggs. Come on, man. Come on. It saves everything. Saves everything. And Salt, I actually hot sauce. I actually, I actually like pepper. I like taking spinach and making egg whites and putting my spinach in the egg whites with a little bit of garlic. Like I'll, I'll fry up the spinach first with a little bit of oil, a little bit of garlic, put it a little bit of salt on it, and then put my egg whites in around it. And uh, it's quite nice, especially when you put. Yeah, a little I, bit of I like a little red it. peppers in like there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Jazz it up. What yeah. we're saying, Tom, Add is a little jazz color, it up. Man. Yeah, uh, a diet doesn't have to be a punishment, my friend. You know, I since I've been eating vegan, I've I've Enjoy it, man. I, I zest it up, man. I, I punch it up. Mm -hmm. See, man, just, just get creative with it. Flavor. Anyway, back to Thomas's review of Artemis Fowl. For those who don't know, Artemis Fowl is based on the first of a series of best-selling children's books about a young criminal mastermind who runs a fowl, pun intended, of both the human and fairy worlds in order to achieve his own selfish ambitions, namely becoming the world's greatest criminal mastermind. You would, however, be forgiven for not knowing that this movie was based on a book as even the director seemed to forget all of this. The only thing the two share is a name. Words cannot begin to adequately express my disappointment with the film, but allow me to try. One Christmas when I was a young boy, my family... Jesus Christ, top. <laughs> He's going back in time now. Look, this is I, his first movie review. This is a personal review. This is very personal. It's like Artemis Fowl jumped out of the Disney Plus on his TV, kicked him square in the fucking nuts while we had an egg white frittata in his fucking mouth, and then jumped back in and continued to rape his childhood. Anyway. He, he must have gotten drunk that night, too. He doesn't drink. Angry. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
One Christmas, when I was a young boy, my family was very, very broke. My parents couldn't afford any Christmas presents, but my mother didn't have the heart to not tell me I wasn't getting any gifts. And so, out of desperation, she took my old teddy bear and wrapped it up just so I could open it on Christmas Day. The crushing disappointment I felt on Christmas morning when I opened that quote-unquote present was unimaginable. And yet, it does not even come close to the way I felt by the time I finished Artemis Fowl. It was just bad. So bad, the acting by the lead, whose name I will not mention as I really don't like bashing children in public, was frankly subpar. Judy Dench continues her bizarre trend of strange movie choices here, and her performance as a gender-flipped Julius Root was nearly as bad as her turn in Cats. Josh Gad actually turned in a decent performance, as did the actress who portrayed Holly, but his narration scenes were so clearly edited and added in later that the contrast from the rest of the film was jarring. Other, more competent film reviewers can speak to the poor editing and script writing, but personally, I want to focus the remainder of this review on its utter, complete disregard for the source material. Directive Kenneth Branagh has gone on record saying that they consciously decided to turn Artemis, who was famously the villain of the first novel, into a generic likable hero, because he felt that a movie with a villain as the lead would be too difficult for audiences to grasp, which is another way of saying that he thought we were too stupid. In doing so, he gutted the most original aspect of the franchise, namely, watching a villain slowly become an anti-hero and eventually a good guy over the course of eight books. This is what separates the property from other, more famous franchises like Harry Potter or Percy Jackson. Mm. Remove the gray morality from Artemis Fowl and you're left with a fairly standard magic is real type story. But the disregard for the plot is shown throughout the movie in other more subtle ways. Give me a second. I'm going to take a sip of my beer and my mouth is getting a little dry. There we go. Wet the whistle. Short-sighted changes to characters in the name of diversity come completely undermine key elements of the story and show little understanding of the source material, which was already fairly progressive to begin with, especially in the case of Commander Root. The entire story arc for the main female character, Holly Short, relative of yours, Jay, was her struggle against sexism in the Leprechaun. It's L-E-P, capitalized, R-E-C-O. Leprechaun, the fairy police paramilitary force, as the first female officer in the history of the Corps. By recasting Root, Holly's hard-nosed commander as a woman, you remove all the most progressive and interesting parts of Holly's story. which explains why they had to come up with an entirely new storyline for the character in this film. Even little things like allowing Butler's name, the Moboy, to be known and used so casually when when its reveal was a major plot point of a future novel shows how this movie so clearly obsessed with setting up sequels had little interest in paying attention to details that would help to set said sequels up which is ironic since this monstrous abomination won't be receiving a sequel anytime soon harsh as it is my review is one of more favorable ones and that this movie has received 
Wow. That's, I mean, I do, I, I don't know, like, this movie's score. And I yeah, haven't read anything. I haven't Honestly, heard much buzz about it, to be honest. I mean, I've seen some marketing, but... Mm. I mean, at least you the have reason, your books, buddy. At least you the have reason your books. this is the reason this is happening is because Thomas Iannucci asked me whether we were going to be reading the uh, whether we were going to be watching the Artemis Fowl movie, and I told him no. I mean, I wasn't interested in the marketing material when I thought it was going to be released in theaters, right. and I'm sure as hell not interested in it even now that it's free yeah. on Disney Plus, especially with it getting such bad reviews. And we all know I, mean, I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> no, it's just it's not really our thing, you know. But anyway, he continues on and says, And thus it was that as I finished my meal and moved on to the flavorless frozen yogurt masquerading as my dessert, I swore to re- I swore revenge someday, somehow, I, who prior to this had virtually no interest in film, would become a famous director just so I could adapt whichever movie Kenneth Brada loved most as a child, Damn. and I would butcher it as badly as he did to Artemis Fowl for me. Wow. So he's blaming Kenneth for this, which is amazing because Kenneth Branagh is pretty well respected in Hollywood. Yeah. Artemis Fowl is so bad that I wonder if perhaps Kevin Branagh has a personal vendetta against me. Hey, some people (laughs) said that about the original Thor. He directed the original Thor. It's true. And yeah. some people said the exact same type of things to him uh, when he made that movie. You know, they did not like it. Well, Tom, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't love it either. But you know, it was, it was, it was serviceable. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I like the original Thor. It's not, you know, it's no Iron Man. It's, no, it's not even no. Captain America: The First Avenger. Like, it's okay. Um, you know, it's all right. First three out of the gate. You know, they yeah. can't, they can't all be massive hits. But uh, Thomas Iannucci, I'm super sorry, my friend. Yes, I cannot allow your score to stand. Uh, his score is an F minus. Mm. No, no such thing exists, my it, friend. It does to me. I understand that score. Yeah, it's an, it's an, it's just an F. <laughs> it's an F. It's an F minus in my book, buddy. I, I feel. I you. wonder if this is. Uh, I'm not. Wa- I'm not going to watch it. But I wonder if this is worse than my worst reviewed film, which was uh, Underworld, Blood Wars, Blood Farts, whatever, uh, <laughs> which was my. Which was my worst reviewed film of all time. Oh, I don't but, know uh, what mine was. On air? On air. I, don't, I can't remember what mine was. I really can't. Yeah. But for Thomas Iannucci, man, this uh, this really, this really fucking yeah, burned it, his it just, grits, man. It's because he loves the books. He loves the series. And we hear this countless times with Hollywood fucking up beloved book series. It's or true. even just books in general. Not even just a whole series of eight I would books. just say... I would just say this. I I never mind. I feel for him. When I they, really do. I never mind when they change a character's a character's race. I don't mind when they change a character's sex. I don't even mind when they change, you know, this character from doing this to that character doing this. I I don't mind that stuff as long as like the essence of what that story was meant is still there and as long as the essence of the character remains as well mm. you know um, that that's the, you know, it's, it's never as bothersome you know when when these changes are done with care and they're done smartly and they're done in a way that makes it meaningful but when they're done in a completely unmeaningful way or they're done just to check a box it often feels clumsy and ham-fisted and just doesn't sure. work so I understand where he's coming from I do think his pain <laughs> over this movie certainly stems from a place of love um, love that you and I oh, can't understand 
uh, because we we don't we've all know, been there. Yeah, we don't love Artemis Fowl in that way. I've never even read a book. I honestly didn't even know it was a book until this was coming out. I'm just not a big YA guy. I never got into that stuff. I I went from reading Goosebumps to reading nothing, and then reading Stephen King. <laughs> so like, I I I missed that whole YA genre where like I just kind of like pass and then i started reading as an adult again and i got into the stuff i'm into but i understand because it's probably the way the way he feels is probably how i felt watching the dark tower movie so oh sure sure which was bad so uh enter at your own risk disney plus subscribers when you jump in to watch artemis Fowl. it seems like this is going to be a hate watch type movie where you watch it just to hate on it just to laugh at it just to make fun of it but I don't think the subject matter allows for that. You know, it, it, it can't be the room. It's not that bad. There's too much production value behind it. So what are you going to do? Anyway, that's going to do it. That's 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 Tom's review. Uh, so if you guys want to reach out to him. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And thank him for doing that review. You can check him out on Instagram at Thomas Iannucci. That's Thomas I-A-N-N-U-C-C-I. Follow him on there, and you can also check out all of his music over on Spotify. Thank you, Tom, for writing us that review. Have a great one, guys. Cheers. Cheers. hating on me like I'm Kanye West, but I'm flying bulletproof on that Kanye vest. At the top of my game, I'm my Kanye best. I just want to run the whole rap game like Wheezy, but you're acting like I ain't a human being like Wheezy, because I'm so ill that I'm almost died like Wheezy. I just rhymed the same word four times like Wheezy. Y'all just want me to choke <coughs> like Wheezy. I don't even have to try. This is way too easy. I'm living on an island in the sun like Wheezy. Oh, wait. Wait, wait. Was that Weezer? It doesn't matter, I'm battering all these rappers The fact is that I'm just better And plus I look hella dapper And I bet your girl agrees You could ask her, I'm the A to her B Cause see, I am what she's after And if you disagree, you could disappear quickly My discipline is so vicious to anybody who's dissing me I'm a body you visibly, caught you audibly feeling me Want my presence like I'm under a Christmas tree Cause I'm gifted, y'all just special So I'm about to lift this game up to the next level I'm killing these cats like it's some weird fetish Say you all about that green, think you must mean lettuce Cause he's so broke and I'm so dope and I'm so tired of these bozos Coming up to me at my shows and asking Yo, you floatless battle, ha! Nah, homie, don't think so My mind going too fast And frankly, you think slow And frankly, you stink So that doesn't make sense Cause I thought you was washed up But you smell like death no hard feelings, you know how it goes I'm just betting on myself Word to Pete Rose <laughs> I'm untouchable Devoted to the cause like Huxtable uh. And if you really think I'm bluffing Introduce yourself to Zero Cause you don't know nothing I run rap You more of a brisk walk You write slow Like the hour hand on a wristwatch Get it right slow Cause it's clockwise Better watch your mouth Call it clockwise Yeah, shock guys With my wordplay I just open my mouth And let them words play And every Thursday I greet my haters See, I think it's only fair They could meet their maker I have beats like Bacon, chew them up real good Then I spit it hella wicked just to prove I could I found beauty in the pain like a rose and thorns Think rappers really sure weigh the pros and cons Cause the whole rap game's full of pros and cons Who fill that every single song with pros and cons 
Are y'all feeling what I'm saying? There's a lot of liars out there and they ain't playing. Nah, they just praying. They're staying out of my way. And I don't blame them. I ain't messing the day. My bar's gold like I rode a Molly El Dorado. I'm so dope, I'm only legal in Colorado. <laughs> Man, how could y'all forget me when I spit rhymes hotter than the girls that reject me? I'm a wolf, but in a way I'm like sheep. If rappers see me at night, then it means they can't sleep. <laughs> My deceit is discreet. When you see me in the street, better pray we don't meet. Only way we gon' meet is if I'm praying on me. So what I'm saying is don't be straying near me. Cause it's plain to see, this ain't plain to me. So don't explain to me. You wanna strain conceit? You a fake MC. Like they replaced the letters. You're so cheesy that you'll probably never get cheddar. And ladies love me, words are cool, Jay. You more like an empty calendar, though. No dates. I'ma blow like a bomb, man. Not now, I'm killing them, mom. Huh. So sick, I could barely talk. You more like penicillin. Get the ill in the stop, and then the ceiling will drop. You can't raise the roof. I hate to be rude, but hey, dude, it's the truth. I'm about to go Manson like Charles. You're Marilyn, cause boy, I'm a killer, and you're just irrelevant. You're an elephant, and I elevate. So you'll never forget the way that I levitate. Above the haters and doubters, I'm taking meteor showers. Cause I'm so fly, I can fly. That's just the start of my power. You better bow to me, cowards, cause you know it's on. Sick of all these fake faces, emoticons. I spit ice, not bars, cause diamonds are forever. Ain't saying you ain't good, I'm just better. Hundred bars and running, and I'm working on an album, boy. You ain't seen nothing. Yeah, I killed this track, and y'all can call me Spinal Cord, cause I'm back. Said I, I killed this track, cause, cause, cause the Spinal Cord is in your back, and I'm back. Man, forget you guys, I don't appreciate my greatness. <laughs>